Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Welcome to another This Caregiver Life podcast, episode 32, Wounded Wounded Warrior Project and TBIs. That's going to be the title of this episode. We have um, Jen Mack with us today. She's our co-host. Um, and Alex Balbor. Did I say your name correctly? Yes. Okay, good. Alex is a graduate of University of North Carolina and Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health where he earned a PhD in public health. Alex is also an officer in the U.S. Navy Reserve and a director at Wounded Warrior Projects. And we're so happy you're joining us today. I'm absolutely excited and thrilled to be here with uh, two of my uh, favorite people in the space, um, especially talking about traumatic brain injury. So thank you again. It's, uh, It's my honor, my privilege to be here. We've had a, a whole month of programming here, March of 2020, and uh, despite the coronavirus interruption and the uncertain times that we live in, we're carrying forward here with our Brain Injury Awareness Month programming on this caregiver life because, you know, brain injuries have been around for a long time and they're not going away anytime soon. And the more we all know about them and the more that we can share with others, I think the better and the easier it'll make our caregiver life just having all that knowledge. So thanks for being here. Um, I'm going to start off just by saying, for our listeners who don't know, I work at Wounded Warrior Project. Um, I'm on the Warrior Speak team, and we've been affiliated with Wounded Warrior Project for a long time. My brother's in the independence program, and so Alex and I work together. So that's just our little um, disclaimer there. (laughs) Now, Alex, before we get started on Wounded Warrior Project and brain injuries, can you tell us a little bit about um, what what led you to work in public health and, and not only just to work in public health, but to serve others by joining the Navy and, and now continuing your service at Wounded Warrior Project? Oh, absolutely. Be happy to discuss that. Um, so public health, when we think about public health, public health is the, the ultimate integrator of all the medical professions. Um, when we look to conquer diseases, disorders, um, something quite relevant right now is outbreaks. Um, you look to those public health professionals to really kind of uh, find the solutions that what we need. Um, you know, we have medical doctors, uh, nurses, nurse practitioners that really provide some of that direct patient care. Um, and then you have uh, other allied services looking at case management, um, occupational therapists. You're looking at all these folks together. But if you want to really um, conquer and figure out strategies to uh, to solve complex medical issues, you really start to look at the public health level because that's looking at impacting everyone, not just that one particular patient who is working in front of you. Um, my interest um, in healthcare began, um, I did my training in both sleep medicine uh, as well as public health, and I was always interested in sleep. Um, just like public health integrates all the healthcare professions, um, sleep is the integrator of all of the, the health issues that we deal with. There aren't that many issues um, that we deal with medically or from a mental health perspective that don't have a sleep component. 
So I was always drawn to that, uh, you know, to, to that discipline of uh, sleep and understanding the, the neurophysiology behind sleep. Um, and when I joined the military uh, a while back, um, I, got, I had the great opportunity of really um, exploring um, traumatic brain injury. This is around the 2009 timeframe where we start to see a robust um, increase in uh, the number of individuals diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury, right? We started to do some amazing surveillance uh, downrange. Um, and what happens after this, right? When they do come home and we do need to identify the, the most appropriate level of care for these, uh, for these warriors. So public health, um, you know, my background in public health, my training in sleep medicine, this was a great, great opportunity. And there's nothing more rewarding than being able to serve your fellow brothers and sisters in uniform. Um, because, uh, you know, all the great advances we had in combat casualty care, um, you know, the greatest challenge is coming back home and understanding some of these issues. So that's sort of my tie-in both academically and my tie-in to my commitment to my fellow service members um, who, who wore the same cloth as I did, just like Jen's brother. So, uh, so that's how I'm tying this all together. Just for our listeners, um, Wounded Warrior Project is currently serving over 140,000 warriors and over 35,000 family support members, so caregivers like me. And it's just amazing to me how quickly Wounded Warrior Project has begun, ha has managed to serve 200,000 individuals in this country. That number is just mind-blowing. Um, and I know everybody has that connects with Wounded Warrior Project has a different um, level of need. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the programs at Wounded Warrior Project that, that serve folks with brain injuries? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to discuss that. Uh, you know, Wounded Warrior Project is, in my opinion, at the forefront of driving uh, both clinical care and community-based care uh, related to traumatic brain injury and to mental health as well. Um, you know, and two, two specific programs that, that really do come to mind related to uh, traumatic brain injury are um, our uh, Warrior Care Network, which is, a, uh, uh, which is a network that is comprised of four academic medical centers. Um, that would be uh, Massachusetts General Hospital up in Boston and their military program called Home Base. You have Emory University Health System and their um, Emory Veterans Health Program in Atlanta. You have Rush University Medical Center and their Road Home Program in uh, Chicago, Illinois. And then you also have Operation MEND, uh, which is part of the UCLA health system out uh, on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Um, in those four, uh, within those four academic medical centers, we have, uh, we've developed a, um, a variety of programming, um, you know, originally tailored towards um, post-traumatic stress, severe post-traumatic stress. But what we've learned and what we've known for a very long time is traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress, they actually come together um, in, in a, what's considered a comorbid state, right? And individually, they have different um, treatment strategies, um, and, but when they come together and they, present, um, and they present together, you have a different type of strategy that we have to approach. And we learned this very well in our Warrior Care Network. Um, and we also went ahead and just started to design specifically tailored programs for only traumatic brain injury. And this is through some intensive clinical programming as well as some outpatient programming, um, uh, really functioning on and working on um, uh, cognitive rehabilitation 
physical therapy, um, those types of disciplines, occupational therapy as well, and some other holistic approaches um, to really care for the entire uh, mind and body. Um, and that's, our, that's a really uh, great model for direct clinical care. Our independence program takes that model of a little bit of clinical care and community-based support and trans transitions that to the home and community of these warriors. When you transition out of a physical, um, a physical uh, facility, uh, out of the four walls of a, of a traditional medical center, and you come back home, that's where the challenge really begins. And that challenge is really obvious in individuals who sustain moderate to severe brain injuries, um, as an example. Any care plan that was developed in the hospital system it actually just at times explodes when it comes when you transfer back home and you have to identify services support individuals that can really bring um, can bring that individual who's dealing with traumatic brain injury bring them back to life bring them and, and really um, improve their functional outcomes that's our independence program which really provides home and community-based services focused on um, focused on intensive case management, resource management, being able to find and identify supports and services through the community. That's a very, very difficult, uh, very difficult task. But we also provide additional support and services, um, primarily alternative therapies, um, art therapy, music therapy, um, uh, something that we call community support specialists, which is a, a really, a, um, uh, it's a life skills coach, but it's a life skills coach that really works to enhance um, the skills of, of a warrior, making them or increasing socialization, um, increasing their opportunities to explore physical health and wellness, increasing their ability to manage their finances better. These types of services are generally not considered, I would say, not considered important within the walls of a medical center. We're trying to get you medically uh, stable, uh, medically uh, discharged. However, coming home, and understanding and realizing those goals that you want to decrease isolation, you want to uh, maintain your, your health and well-being by walking, uh, by engaging in sport, and also um, being able to, to socialize and engage with other people in the community, that's very, very important, and that's very critical to recovery. So this type of home and community-based rehabilitation is absolutely important. So I've presented to you the clinical side of what we do through our, through primarily our Warrior Care Network and our TBI programs within the Warrior Care Network. And I've also explained to you uh, the magic behind home and community-based support uh, for individuals with uh, traumatic brain injury. Now, um, when we think about veterans specifically who have traumatic brain injury, we think explosion, a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, but the truth is, is that veterans and civilians can get traumatic brain injuries lots of different ways, car accidents, falls, being struck by something. Um, and I know that at Wounded Warrior Project, they have these two great programs. Do they serve uh, veterans, the post 9-11 veterans that you serve? Does it matter how they got hurt? No, it does, it does not matter how they got hurt. The mechanism of injury for us is not important. It's the, the ability to access care and services. Um, for that injury. Uh, we do believe that we deliver some amazing services um, for our veterans and the our future goal is to take the model that we have that for veterans and their families uh, related to traumatic brain injury and extend that model and show how effective this model is to the general population 
Um, we know that there's a significant public health burden um, for traumatic brain injury, and it's, it's quite extensive. It's about 2% of our population um, has sustained um, a, a traumatic brain injury. Most of those are from, you know, we would consider the fall, the sort of uh, the closed head injuries. When we talk about our veterans, we normally think of blast exposure. We normally think of motor vehicle accidents. Um, but, uh, but the cost is tremendous. Billions and billions of dollars spent for hospitalization, acute care and rehabilitation. Um, and what we do know with our model, especially with independence program, it doesn't cost a lot to provide some of these home and community-based service. It's actually far, far less um, than, than what you would find in more of an institutional setting where you're getting um, you know, uh, support um, within uh, a rehab facility. And these types of home and community-based services also, they, they really do focus to, um, to develop that functional independence for that warrior. Um, so, so these types of rehabilitation um, programs are really critical to the spectrum of services that are required to, uh, to rehab uh, an individual. I think the, the key point there is that it doesn't take a lot of money to get an individual with a traumatic brain injury connected in the community. And one of the things that my brother and I have discovered, and a big part of this is because of the, the guidance that we've gotten through the independence uh, program at Wounded Warrior Project, but we've discovered that our community itself has activities um, and just community-based support that we didn't even know about, but that case management was so critical. Um, oftentimes a caregiver, especially for a loved one with a brain injury who may have also have a vision impairment or a hearing impairment and who um, may have cognitive um, impairments, that caregiver can be so overwhelmed they don't even have time to go and look for those resources. So I'm, I appreciate you mentioning that. We're going to take a little break and when we come back, we're going to explore the topic of cognitive impairment associated with TBIs and holistic strategies like the Warrior Care Network uses. And that's, that's kind of, I have a lot of interest in that. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to hearing that part of, um, of what the Wounded Warrior Project offers for our veterans with TBIs. And we'll be back in just 30 seconds. Today's episode of This Caregiver Life is brought to you by TBI Warrior Foundation, a nonprofit organization with a mission to improve the quality of life for veterans, civilians, and children living with brain injury, as well as their caregivers, through community integration, education, and advancement programs. March is National Brain Injury Awareness Month. Every year, two and a half million people in the United States sustain traumatic brain injuries. TBI Warrior Foundation is grateful for this opportunity to bring you education from experts in the field of TBI, as well as inspirational stories and helpful life strategies from TBI caregivers themselves. TBI Warrior Foundation, paving the path to success and independence. Learn more at www.tbiwarriorfoundation.org. Okay, we're back, Jen. You gonna re reintroduce us here? Yeah, I muted out for a second because um, for our listeners' entertainment, I'm actually recording in my car today, in my driveway. Um, many of us are working at home. A lot of kids are doing their schoolwork at home, and my internet just couldn't handle it. It didn't have the bandwidth, <laughs> and it gave up. So my cable guy is here with my dogs, and it's a 
it's a noise mess inside. So I'm in my car and I just turned it on to get uh, some fresh air coming in here. So if you hear that background noise, I apologize. We don't, we don't want you to suffocate in your car with not having enough fresh air. We have dogs barking. We have all the kids in the neighborhood yeah. are, are running amok in the hood. They're, they're all going nuts around here, I think. Isn't that the thing that you love about podcasts the most? I mean, there's a lot of celebrity podcasts that you can listen to, but for the most part, these are just real people. We're out here trying to do everyday programming. And I know on this Caregiver Life, we're just working hard to bring you information. And we're so pleased today to, to have Alex Bel Belbier from Wounded Warrior Project with us. Alex is the director of um, independent services at Wounded Warrior Project, so the independence program, which my brother is involved in, and also Warrior Care Network. So happy to have you here, Alex. So Alex, I wanted, I wanted to circle back to what we left off with with the break, because I'm really interested in the holistic strategies, the programs that you guys offer for uh, TBIs, for our veterans with TBIs. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the holistic, uh, you know, we use the word holistic, we use comprehensive, we use integrative uh, medicine to really describe a lot of the work that we do. And I mentioned earlier, um, you know, my reference to our Warrior Care Network, um, you know, the backbone of our Warrior Care Network is delivering um, really gold standard types of treatment um, for mental health, whether it's prolonged exposure therapy or um, a cognitive processing therapy um, for the mental health, post-traumatic stress side, and then really traditional rehabilitation, um, cog cognitive rehab, and uh, uh, other physical, uh, physical medicine type of rehabilitation. Those are, that's the backbone, the structure of our clinical delivery. However, what we do know um, is that, um, that wrapped around that structure are all of our holistic integrative medicine types of approach. Uh, we're looking at uh, mindfulness. We're looking at uh, yoga, meditation, um, the art therapies, right? And the creative writing therapies. Um, I can't begin to tell you how effective and impactful that level of uh, service or the uh, access to those types of services um, are for, for these individuals, especially veterans and their family members who've, who've dealt with a lot of either mental health trauma or physical health trauma uh, you know, uh, through a brain injury. Um, but being able to access, let's say for art therapy, accessing those creative sides, being able to express the emotion and what they felt with, uh, with their injury or the circumstances underlying their, uh, their injuries, like combat, um, it's very, very important for them to access not just traditional medical care, but really having access to alternative therapies, um, such as art therapy, music therapy. Um, also really wanna highlight equine therapy, um, I, I was not a big, um, I, I, I wasn't very familiar with equine therapy, so I came to Wounded Warrior Project. Um, but what I do know is that those warriors, especially those, those hardened Marines, Army soldiers, um, you know, uh, Navy, you know, old crusty Navy sailors, you know, like Very myself. Call that. Um, we call that infantry AF. <laughs> I, I have my and, own. I have my, my uh, own, like Jennifer has hers. <laughs> they, you, they all are, and they're all uh, amazing individuals, but um, watching them adapt and really engage and access the equine therapy and the art therapies and the music therapies is absolutely remarkable. The connection that's made there um, with that animal or with that art therapist or that music therapist really accesses certain 
regions of the brain to promote that that growth, promote that um, health and well-being that sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, you cannot recreate that with a pill. You cannot recreate that through any any other uh, any other medium. And it's really been amazing, you know, for instance, uh, in our Warrior Care Network uh, program with um, with the home-based Massachusetts General Hospital program, they actually have an excursion for a weekend up to some of these farms and up, you know, getting out of the physical of the physical space of a hospital and going out to engage in this type of uh, of therapy, outdoor therapy, recreational therapy. Um, it is this is very critical in terms of healing, and I don't believe that uh, many people who've sustained a brain injury have access to all those. Um, through Wounded Warrior Project, um, these services are uh, at no cost to any warrior or their or their family member. So that's an amazing uh, it's an, uh, an amazing um, benefit to to have. But uh, we we would not be doing our jobs well if we don't report out on the effectiveness of this, so that you know in the future other organizations are paying for this, or hospitals and insurers are really starting to to in, include services like this, which some of them really are. And I believe much of that started in the military because the military has been a very good adopter of some of these alternative uh, services, including art therapy and music therapy. So we have to give credit to, to the military for having that uh, uh, that foresight to, to do something like this. And it's quite beneficial to these warriors. I think it's phenomenal. I'm so glad to hear that this is this is the direction that we're moving into with traumatic brain injuries, and um, I know I've shared with you before, and I've I've shared with our our listeners that my husband had a brain infection, so he didn't exactly have a TBI, but he certainly had the results of of a TBI. He had he has cognitive impairment, and I know we're on Zoom, and other our listeners can't see us, but these are his paintings behind behind me, and this was our form of reconnecting him to something that he could learn, not necessarily where he could be wrong at something. So he could, he really fell into a lot of mindfulness when he was learning how to paint. He had a lot of frustrations. And because we did it on our own, we had a lot of errors that we, you wouldn't have today because we have people who are trained in those kinds of therapies. Um, but it was successful for us. I mean, we're not a science experiment here, so I have no true evidence except for to say this is 25 years in the working behind me with his paintings. And Jen and I, we could share that on our Facebook page for this caregiver life. I think it's really hopeful to see that. Um, and it's so wonderful to see that we have that for our wounded warriors that um, they're not just going to be, you know, sitting down and, and doing worksheets to get better. They're, they're doing things that add to the quality of their life. And I'm so appreciative of the Wounded Warrior Project for, for having this program and growing it. I think for James, um, he, doesn't, he never connected really with art therapy as much, but he's really started to um, connect with telling his story. That's, a, that's, that's an emerging um, therapy that he's interested in. Um, he has benefited greatly from equine therapy and recreational therapy and um, trying new sports and challenging his brain in new ways while reminding his brain of his love of sports, his lifelong love of sports. And I think that's been important too, is to not just focus on where he is now, but to take a, a look at his whole life, what interested him before the brain injury, what 
you know, how, how is he able to connect to that in new ways? Um, he's never going to play football again, right? He's, he's medically retired from the army. So he, his infantry days are behind him, but he can still participate in, in sports of all kinds um, with the right adaptations or the right guidance. So we're super appreciative of that as a family. I mean, it, it's just been tremendously impactful. Yeah. And one thing, Mary, you did touch on a great thing, the, the observation of your husband and, and, and doing the art. Um, we, we also want to emphasize, and, and I did a very poor job of emphasizing this, these types of therapies, when done in collaboration with their caregiver, um, the, uh, the recovery is remarkable. Um, being able to participate, that's, you know, the role of the caregiver is also a, a role where um, they, they can learn a little bit more about themselves through expressive writing, through the arts, through music. And when those two worlds collided with the, with the warrior getting treatment for traumatic brain injury and the caregiver who's also dealing with some um, uh, emotional, physical issues, bringing those two together to both benefit and heal from these uh, invisible or visible wounds is truly remarkable. Um, and that, that's such a, such a backdrop for recovery that uh, it's been absolutely amazing to witness in, in many families that I've worked with. I think that's very much a, um, that's such a great point. It's, it's a way of growing together on a new, in a new path. Maybe not the one that you wanted to have or you thought you were going to have or dreams, our goals, but it begins to be a new normal in a more positive way because it can, it can be very tense when you're living in an environment where your spouse or your loved one, your child, they're cognitively not on the same page that they've always been on. It's very frustrating when you repeat yourself for the 100th time. And so when you can right. begin to find another pathway, a new normal for yourself, it, it definitely reduces the stress. It can improve relationships. Absolutely, absolutely agree. So I wanted to ask you real quick because, although it's probably not a quick answer, but you know, we, we talk about our moderate and our severe traumatic brain injuries when in fact we know that a lot of people have mild traumatic brain injuries. And what, how, how do, do people have permanent damage from mild injuries to their brain and how would that manifest itself? Yeah, um, you know, we, you know, we talk about the levels of or the different uh, diagnoses for brain injury, and we classify them as mild, moderate, and severe. Um, those three words should not be used to define a prognosis for anyone, um, because uh, we will tend to think that moderate and severe has more um, medical and mental health consequences than mild, but it's, it's actually not true. Um, and and I, can, I can discuss several things uh, related to mild tra traumatic brain injury that are um, really, um, really important. You know, one thing is that much of society doesn't understand, they may understand that there is a significant medical issue if you sustain a mild traumatic brain injury. However, most of society doesn't understand that that traumatic brain injury creates a significant amount of damage in the brain, despite it being uh, referred to as mild. And many people, most people will recover from the first uh, injury, the first mild traumatic brain injury, the first concussion. It's the repeated head injuries that we're starting to look at and really understand um, a little bit better. Um, and the susceptibility and, and uh, associated with just one hit or multiple hits 
successively or within a certain time frame. And what we see, um, and, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Your viewer, your audience may understand that, know that at CTE. It's been highlighted in the, in the sporting world, especially in the football world. Um, we're looking there as, at repeated brain trauma, right? Consistent contact head to head or head um, to, to another uh, hard surface. Um, and that creates um, you know, uh, a situation with, with repetitive head trauma, where you, which leads to massive cell death. Um, and then you start to see symptoms really you know, manifest, impulsiveness, um, aggression, depression, paranoia, and memory loss and, and impaired judgment. And finally, you, you see individuals who um, will then uh, commit suicide because they can't handle, uh, they can't handle this anymore. Um, that's been shown both in the military, in military veterans, as well as in, in athletes, uh, specifically football players and hockey players. We've seen something about that. Those who have been con considered um, mild traumatic brain injury, repeated head injury of the more of the mild kind. Um, so they're mild leading to a suicide. It's, some people don't put that together, that, that, that initial trauma and the repeated trauma really come together to create um, this natural history of, of disease progression that is quite devastating. We also know that um, there's an increased risk, risk of Parkinson's disease with mild traumatic brain injury. And what we've seen is that there's a 50% increase in risk of Parkinson's in veterans who've sustained a mild traumatic brain injury. So we're talking about point in time injuries point in time diagnosis of a mild traumatic brain injury leading to long term, long lasting neurodegenerative conditions that really impact not only the quality of life of the individual, but also function to impact the quality of life of their family and their caregiver. So these are important issues. And I just named two for you right there, the risk for chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE and Parkinson's. Um, as one. We've also seen Alzheimer's-like presentation in individuals who sustained um, multiple traumatic brain injuries. And these aren't, th this clinical presentation of Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's-like dementia are being, are presenting now in, in individuals who are very young, late 40s, early 50s, that compared to an elderly population, um, you know, in the, in the 70s and 80s presenting with uh, dementia, we know that mild traumatic brain injury is a big issue and it should absolutely be taken seriously. Wow, that's a lot of information right there. <laughs> it's great information though, because people have so many questions about um, CTEs, the chronic traumatic encephalopathy today, I think, and um, some of them are really grappling for some understanding of it. So I think you gave a, you know, a great explanation. Well, that. and we probably, we hear that in the caregiving world uh, quite often is that um, one, one condition later in life has led to another and another, and it becomes difficult for, for, for a caregiver to navigate, okay, which professional do I see for, for these symptoms and wh who do I see for those symptoms? And um, having a resource like Wounded Warrior Project and who is also committed to providing the data and reporting out um, your findings is critical to, 
to helping not only the victims of brain injury, but their caregivers as well. So, I mean, we appreciate that so much. As we near the end of our time, Alex, we're just I want to ask you, um, what message do you have for somebody that may be listening and either has a traumatic brain injury or they, they care or love someone that does? Yeah, um, you know, my final message is that, that care is available. Um, you know, there's, uh, if, you, if you understand yourself or your caregiver, your spouse, your family starting to notice some changes um, that may be related to either your ability to manage a, a mental health issue or manage um, symptoms uh, consistent with a traumatic brain injury, please seek help. Please speak up. Um, one thing we really try to uh, address at Wounded Warrior Project is stigma associated with seeking care for mental health or brain injury. Um, there, is, uh, there is no shame in seeking care. Uh, we are all big believers that care is available. There are treatments out there um, and Wounded Warrior Project stands by ready to assist uh, veterans in, in seeking that level uh, of help. Uh, we have clinical programs, we have home and community-based programs. Um, you know, so it's, it, it's really a stepwise approach for us, determining what your needs are and then really understanding what's the most appropriate uh, program for you through our uh, suite of services, both uh, in mental health and brain health. Um, and also um, our ability to support our, the caregivers and the caregivers communities through our partnerships with uh, Elizabeth Dole Foundation, through our partnerships um, with, uh, with eHome to provide telehealth, uh, telehealth medicine for, for mental health. And also uh, additionally, a little bit of cognitive health uh, in, in there as well. So um, being able to provide these supports and services for the warrior, being able to provide these supports and services for the family members and caregivers, um, utterly important to, as Mary alluded to, a holistic, comprehensive, family-oriented approach to treating traumatic brain injury and invisible and visible wounds of war. Well, we want to thank you, Alex, for joining us. Um, we'll, of course, have all these links on um, our social media and in the show notes of this podcast. Um, if you need to connect with Wounded Warrior Project and you want to learn more about their programs and services, you can visit their website, woundedwarriorproject.org, or call their resource center hotline, 888-997-2586. They're open Monday through Friday, um, 9A to 7P, and uh, even during the, the COVID uh, crisis while everybody's working at home. Those folks are working at home too, so you need to call them and ask them uh, the, the questions that you have about what's going on with your warrior, with your veteran, and how they can help. Um, and we also want to point our listeners to our social media. We're, um, we're basically everywhere, right, Mayor? We are. We're everywhere. We're, we're, I put something on Instagram. I was so excited about that the other day. On this character of a life at Instagram, I put a, a photo that I took the other day just because I thought, well, caregivers, come on, let's go do some stuff. <laughs> In social distancing way, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, um, our handle is at this caregiver life on Facebook and Instagram. If you're going to tweet us, we love that, but it's just at this caregiver. We kind of, you know, kept it brief on there. And then um, finally, Mayor and I would love it if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know Alex would like it too if you happen to do that for this episode. Um, it's a great way for other caregivers to find us. And um, everybody knows that we're better together and we're trying to make a difference here. So find us online, find us on your social, and um, don't forget, you can send us an email, thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks.
quite okay. welcome. Thank you all for having me. Yep, till the next time.